Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Now, this being your second divorce, and I'm sure you're familiar with the procedure, but your ex-wife should not leave the state until it's finalized. I'm not planning to leave the state. No, she just left me. She had nothing against the land. Out of the five serious relationships I've had, three were exactly the same. So, you all ready? Well, I'd have to be all ready. I came here to get you. What do you mean? One might have been a man. After years of relationships that never worked, John Henderson is entering a void where few have the courage to go. I'm going to move back in with Mother. Honey! Hi! How about some sherbet? Look at the date. You're running a food museum here. Look under the protective ice. You've actually named the clear hard junk that sits on the top. And here's to you, Mrs. Henderson. Your grandson is moving back today. I want my room back. Hey, hey, hey. Mom, I think that he, he just wants to see what he can do about your relationship. I can't hear you! Mother! Well, you're having problems and you're blaming me, is that it? So you're the writer? Like Stephen King. Ooh. Well, he, well, he hasn't written anything for a while. I don't think every mother says, honey, you look good, but your hair is thinning. I never told you your hair was thinning. You called after me? Look out for your bald spot? Oh, well, someone has to say that. It's all about approval. We have an approval problem in this family. I'm gonna give you some cheese. I like my cheeses in the ounces. When they weigh as much as a Fiat, I I get worried. Albert Brooks. Help me! Debbie Reynolds. You know I'm happy to see you. (laughs) Now, why didn't you want to stay in a hotel? Rob Morrow. Of course she likes me. She loves me. Be asleep when we get home. Why have I never heard of this man before? I would think a man that you're intimate with is pretty important. Dear, we're not intimate. We just have sex occasionally. Oh. I mean, oh. Mother. Honey, I love you. I know you think you do. Oh, I have a call waiting. Hello. It's still me, Mother. Hello. Still me, Mother. Hi. Why do you even pay for this feature? Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Mother from 1996. The studio, Paramount Pictures' release date, well, there was a limited release date in December of 1996, but the wide release was January 24, 1997. The running time, 104 minutes, with a rating of PG-13. I do not have the budget numbers, but the box office took in $19 million, which made it the 86th ranked movie of 1996. Rotten Tomatoes gives the film 88% fresh from 41 reviews. Their critics' consensus is, Albert Brooks's pugnacious insight is in fine form throughout Mother, a gentle showcase for the comedic curmudgeon and sweetly acidic Debbie Reynolds. Roger Ebert at the time gave it 3.5 out of 4 stars, and here's his review. The mother in Albert Brooks's mother knows how to push the secret buttons to drive her son up the wall. All it takes is a slight annotation, a little pause, a wicked word choice no outsider would notice. And she's so sweet while making her subtle criticisms, why you'd almost think she didn't know what she was doing. Brooks is working with materials that look like stuff of a sitcom. There is an odd couple spinoff here just waiting to happen. 
But Brooks, who co-wrote with Monica Johnson and directed as well as stars, is much too smart to settle for the obvious gags and payoffs. All of his films depend on closely observed behavior and language, on the ways language can refuse to let us communicate, no matter how obsessively we try to nail things down. In his scenes with Reynolds, they are told quietly, conversationally. They're not pounding out with punchlines, and that's why the dialogue is so funny. Reynolds, who has not had a leading role in 27 years, has two scenes with Brooks that are triumphs of perfect tone and timing. One is the scene where she tries to feed him dinner. Another is when they go shopping and get into arguments and everything that goes into a shopping cart. When she selects a generic brand of peanut butter, he cries out, Just once, I want an experience where we throw away 91 cents together. The dialogue in Mother is written so carefully that some lines carry two or three nuances. I've seen Mother twice, once at the Toronto Film Festival and again with a capacity audience in Santa Monica, California. There were lots of laughter both times, and the second time, listening closely, I recognized a certain quality in it. It wasn't the automatic laughter produced by slam-dunk punchlines, but the laughter of recognition, of insight, and even sometimes of squirmy discomfort, and the truth hit close to home. The audiences appreciated the film, they seemed grateful for its invention and intelligence, which didn't insult them, and on the way out, they were repeating some of the best lines. I don't know if you can help improve your romantic life by moving back in with your mother, but it might be a help to see this movie. Maybe with your own mother. Maybe not. And that's the end of Ebert's review. Man, Ebert was spot on with his review, especially the part which mentions the audience reaction uh, to the smart comedy dialogue in the film, because that is what Albert Brooks is truly a master at. His films are not cheap laugh flicks. It's really for an invested audience, and those that choose to go all in are absolutely rewarded in the end of his films. So I saw this movie when it was first released on video way back, and definitely enjoyed it. And I rediscovered it when our super producer and frequent past guest, Lindley, mentioned it in one of our earlier episodes. Mother is a film that is timeless and very intelligent, but it actually means more to viewers, I think, as they get older. All right, let's get into the main cast. Albert Brooks, of course, plays John Henderson, and I went through Brooks's career in the Defending Your Life episode, another amazing movie, but I will reiterate what a truly brilliant writer, director, and actor he is. His films are never blockbusters, but they are always entertaining and very honest, and like others, he wrote and directed Mother, and Monica McGowan-Johnson co-wrote the screenplay to Mother. Debbie Reynolds plays Beatrice Henderson, and as Ebert mentioned, Reynolds had not had a starring role in a film in over 25 years, the last being 1971's What's the Matter with Helen. She was one of the most famous actresses and celebrities of her era, both on film and television. And of course, she was the mother of Carrie Fisher and was married to Eddie Fisher. Her best-known films included Singing in the Rain, The Unsinkable Molly Brown, and she was the voice of Charlotte in the animated classic Charlotte's Web. All right, let's get into the making of the film. So Albert Brooks, from the start, wanted a famous 1950s actress to play the role of his mother. His first choice was Doris Day, but she turned down the role because she was very content in retirement. He also offered the role to Nancy Reagan, who was a former actress before she had married Ronald Reagan and was named Nancy Davis. She loved the script and did consider coming out of retirement but finally turned down the role in part to care for the former president whose declining health continued due to Alzheimer's disease. Now, Brooks was good friends with Carrie Fisher and asked her if she could send the script to her mom. She did, and Debbie Reynolds took the part. 
It also led to a nice career comeback for Reynolds that continued until her death in 2016. All right, let's get into the film. It opens with John, that's Albert Brooks, and his soon-to-be ex-wife, Karen, played by Laura Weeks. They're in a lawyer's office going through the finalizing of their divorce. Now, this would be John's second divorce. As with all of Albert Brooks's films, the humor is always very smart and also very dry. For example, the lawyer asks whom he should bill. Karen says to bill John, and a bewildered John believed they were splitting the cost all along. Karen replies that he offered to pay, and John says he just threw that out there to get the ball rolling on the divorce proceedings. And Karen then leaves the offices, and John says she came with a lot of nice furniture. John goes back to his house, which is essentially empty, with the exception of one living room chair and an end table, to which he moves all around the room hilariously to get it just right. John decides to drink his sorrows away with his friend Carl, played by John McGinley. McGinley is a terrific character actor in many films, and I loved him as one of the bobs in Office Space, and he's the skinny one. Carl has a great line at the bar where he asks why John would want to keep getting married. John replies, well, he wants to have children, pass down his seed, (laughs) to which Carl retorts, just go masturbate in the garden then. However, John has an epiphany while drinking with Carl, as Carl asks him what is the common theme with all of his failed relationships. John says that none of the women believed in him. And then we cut to John's mother, Beatrice, played by Debbie Reynolds. Are either of you fellas married? One of my sons just got a divorce. They just can't seem to stay married anymore. <laughs> All right, ma'am. All hooked up and ready to go. Well, gee, does that look a little green to you? I don't think so. Gee, it it looks a little green to me. No, ma'am. That's normal. Does that look green to you? Yes, thank you. Malak! Shoop dahki! Roh min hoa, roh! Roh ma sayyara! Shoop a jnoon inti! Khalik ma sayyara! What's wrong with him? He's mentally ill, ma'am. Oh, 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 well, see, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with this. There is nothing wrong, ma'am. My friend did not understand you. Then it doesn't look right. But turn it to another channel. Oh, my God, that's too green. That's the grass, ma'am. That's supposed to be green. Oh, I think there's something wrong. I'm not going to sign for this. In the store, the picture was perfect. The picture is fine, ma'am. I tell you what. You watch it. The House of Discounts guarantees it. If you don't like it in a couple weeks, I'll come and take it back. Well, maybe I shouldn't sign anything until then. Ma'am, please. I cannot leave this here unless you sign this. This picture is perfect. In the beginning, when you turn it on, green is the color that comes up the most. But then in a few minutes, it goes away. But the television in the store looked perfect. That's because the televisions in the stores are turned on a long time before you get there. I don't think so. I was there at 9.15, right when they opened. I know, ma'am, but the televisions are turned on in the middle of the night, automatically. So, the color is perfect by the time people like you get there at 9.15. Really? Yes. Are you sure of that? I am positive. Hmm. All right. I'll watch for a few days and I'll let you know. Oh, boy. I'll be waiting for that. The TV installers leave and then John calls Beatrice. John says, hi, Mom, and she answers, oh, hi, Jeff, which is John's brother. (laughs) Good guess, Mom. Try again. (laughs) They then get into a funny conversation about how she was just talking about him to the TV installer, 
John is incredulous about why he would even come up in a conversation with a TV installer. And from this early scene, we get the foundation of how this movie will be and what John and his mother's relationship is like. John is a science fiction author. His first post-divorce date is with Linda, played by Lisa Kudrow. He wrote this? Yeah. How did you meet him? In the market. And he had his book with him. He had it in the trunk. Did you read it? No. But it's a real book. Is he rich? I don't know. He just got a divorce. When? Two weeks ago. Gee, that's a little soon to go out with somebody. I'm just having dinner with him. I'm not having sex. Does he know that? Well, he will by dessert. <laughs> Who is it? John Henderson. Come on in. How do I look? Gorgeous. Thanks. Hi, John. Hi. Wow, you look great. Okay. Um, um, this is my roommate, Donna. Hi. Hi. So, you all ready? Well, I have to be all ready. I came here to get you. <laughs> what do you mean? Nothing. Go. Oh. <laughs> Go? Sure. <laughs> See you later. Bye. How's the salad? Good? Good. Yes? Good. Good. Have you always wanted to be a writer? Yes, I think I have. Who are some of your favorite authors? Well, I'm like you. You've read my books? No, I mean as a person. Oh. Did you uh, read my book? No, I couldn't. I had a really busy week. Did you read The Flat? Um, no, actually, I didn't. Why, what was on The Flat? Well, you know, they summarize the book and tell about me. <laughs> Did you look at anything at all? Um, I saw your picture on the back. I thought it was cute. <laughs> hey, you read the picture there. So then besides me, who are some of your other favorite authors? Um, gee, I didn't know I'd be taking a test. Oh, it's not a test. I'm just making conversation. Um, let me see. Oh, who wrote that book about Hollywood? Hollywood? Like a coffee table book? No. What book? You know, the the one where they took all those pills. Julia Phillips. No, no. I know it's not that one. No. No. Um, let's see. Jacqueline. Um, Jacqueline. Jacqueline Suzanne? Yes! I love her. You don't mean... Yes. Valley of the Dolls. Oh. That's it. That was it. That's what you meant. That, you know, that book was written like 30 years ago. So? What, you can't like somebody who wrote a book a long time ago? No, you're right. Don't people like Charlie Chaplin? Yeah. When did he write? 
Charlie Chaplin wasn't a writer, he was a comedian. No, he wasn't. He was a writer. Tale of Two Cities, um... Hey, I have an idea. Let's get the check. <laughs> that went well. Man, Kudrow is good in every role she's in. And even though she is just... This is just a bit part, it's great. And John decides to have dinner with his brother Jeff, played by Rob Morrow, and his family that next night. Jeff is a successful sports agent. Do you feel that Mother likes you? Yeah, of course she likes me. She loves me. But are you having the life that she thinks you should have? In other words, did she ever think that you shouldn't become an agent because you're not a great one? I'm not a great one? I, I was making $100,000 out of the gate. We were all blown away, including her. So if I sold five million books, you think she'd like me more? She likes you. But still, do you think she'd be proud of me? Do you think she'd bond with me the way she does with you? You're a complicated guy. Oh, so that's it then. You're a simpleton? I'm in more of a black and white business. When I have a good year, everyone sees. Your years are are not that visible. But you don't seek her approval, huh? I mean, obviously, she doesn't criticize you. Everything is perfect. Of course not. But she, she criticizes the way I raise the kids. I mean, she has opinions. It just, it's a, I mean, it doesn't get to me. Why does it get to me? I don't know. I mean, we're, we're different. Maybe the relationship with Dad had something to do with this. Maybe Dad was different with me than he was with you. Maybe he was. Well, let me tell you something. This is affecting my whole life. I I feel estranged from my own mother, and I don't like it. It affects everything I do, especially with women. But you got to just forget about it. You're grown up. I mean, there's nothing you can do. Uh, I don't think that's true. I've been thinking about this a lot. I'm going to move back in with... It's funny, and you don't hear it in the last scene, but Jeff bought Beatrice a camera phone, which is so antiquated, and it's just a little screen attached to a corded phone dock. Who knew FaceTime would only be 20 short years away? Anyway, we get a nice revision of Simon and Garfunkel's Mrs. Robinson as John travels from Los Angeles to the San Francisco Bay Area. God help him, please, Mrs. Henderson. He looks to you to help him with his life. He lost a wife again. He'd like for you to welcome him and make him feel at home. He needs to know you'd like him coming back. Knows that you are busy with problems of your own. But please, when you see him, try not to attack. Ooh, 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 please, Mrs. Henderson. Soon your house will add another one. It's your son. Remember, please, Mrs. Henderson. You're the reason why he's here at all. So mother dear, don't drop the ball. Where are you heading? Heading up north. Big sir? No, big mama. 
the hell does that mean? And here's to you, Mother Henderson. Now's the time to step up to the plate. It's your fate. Ooh, 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 please, Mother Henderson. Destiny has given you a call. It's time to take down the wall. John arrives at his mom's house and she's on the picture phone with Jeff, which is hilarious as she can never be in the frame of the camera. (laughs) Also, since it's 1996, the technology moves slower than a 56K modem. In any case, in these brief scenes with Jeff, we can tell he's a bit too attached to his mom, though of course he won't admit it. Even though he isn't hungry, Beatrice pushes John to eat something, which leads to these hilarious scenes with all the freezer food that she has stored up. Because even if something is five years old, as long as it's in the freezer, it, of course, will still be good. Uh, You know, if you'd come two hours earlier, we could have had dinner together. I made great beef stew. else can I get for you? No, Mother, I'll tell you, I'm really not hungry at all. I ate at a truck stop, so this is fine. Well, I have some cold spaghetti, but it has meat sauce in it. Can you eat lamb chops? Well, what the hell is a lamb? It's meat. I told you, I don't eat it. Well, it's not a cow. I didn't know if it was the animal you were siding with or the whole thing. The whole thing. Want some cheese? No, the salad is fine, I promise. Oh, I'm going to give you some cheese. That's a lot of cheese. Got it in hunks. Mother, look look at the date. It's Hmm? three years old. Well, it's been in the freezer. Yeah, but how cheap was it that you wanted to buy this much of it? Honey, this is wonderful cheese. It comes from Switzerland. Very hard to get. How could it be hard to get? It's all here. I don't want the cheese. Now, dear. Mother, stop. I don't want any. I don't want any. Stop. Like this old house. I haven't even tried it. I can tell by the gross weight I'm not going to like it. I like my cheeses in the ounces. When they weigh as much as a Fiat, I I get worried. How about some sherbet? Uh-oh. What kind of sherbet? Oh, what do you mean? It's delicious. Sweet Tooth? Where do you find Sweet Tooth? I never hear of these brands. There's a Baskin and Robbins half a block from here. Oh, I wouldn't go down there. That's a waste of money. I'm not going to fall for that. Not going to fall for that? What are you falling for? They have ice cream in there. Well, there's no difference. Why should I pay triple the amount when they probably go to the supermarket and buy the very same kind? Mother, the ice cream is colorless. Look under the protective ice. The protective ice? You've actually named the clear hard crap that sits on the top? But if you don't want it, don't eat it. You know, when I'm down and you give me these words of wisdom and you say to me, honey, you don't need to see a shrink. Just don't be hard on yourself. How can I possibly do that when I come from you? You're running a food museum here. Why can't you just go buy fresh ice cream? And you haven't even tried it. You're making fun of the ice cream and you haven't even tasted it. It's wonderful, Sherbert. 
I don't want it. I don't want, I'm not going to taste no. it. No? I don't you want it. You tell I me. Don't... Oh, God, this is horribly old. This tastes like an orange foot. Oh, my God almighty. Holy yeah. <laughs> the protective ice. You're running a food museum. John decides he doesn't want to sleep on the couch. He wants to be in his old bedroom, which is now packed with various boxes and furniture. Wow, that sounds familiar. Just like my old room, which is now a QVC showroom. John really wants to stay in his old room to bring back memories of his childhood and figure out why he is how he is as an adult. Beatrice is against her stuff being moved out, but finally relents begrudgingly. John moves all of his old childhood stuff from the garage into his room, which includes some great vintage poster like Jimi Hendrix, or the Barbarella movie with Jane Fonda, 2001 A Space Odyssey, and Planet of the Apes, along with all of his old trophies and toys. To add a more modern flavor, he also brings his desktop computer with him to do some writing. John is having fun reliving his youth by jumping around and hilariously dancing to Wilson Pickett's Land of a Thousand Dances. Beatrice and John then go grocery shopping, which is another priceless scene, as she drives around and around in the parking lot trying to find the perfect spot. And then once they do get into the store, she will only buy the most generic brands possible, though she will splurge for grape nuts. If you tell me there's a difference between salt, I'm really going to get upset. You do not know how to market. No, I, I know there's no difference between salt. I know salt's all the same. It's all all the same. It's not all all the same. Beatrice! Oh, no. Oh, um, this is my sister. Sis, this is my neighbor Beatrice. How do you do? I forget your name. Alice. Oh, that's right, that's right. <laughs> so nice to see you, Beatrice. Alice is going to be here for a week, and then she's taking a cruise to Mexico. Oh, my, a cruise. Oh, my. I'm uh, John. Oh, this is my son, the other one. Oh. Yes, he's staying with me for a while. He likes this jelly. Oh, look at that. Oh, I've heard of that. It's organic. You've heard of it? Oh, yes. They're very big in the catalog business. Really? Yes. I hear their jelly is wonderful. And you know what else? They have a peanut butter for $12 that's out of this world. Just think of that. I'll leave it to my son. <laughs> so you're the writer? Yes. Well, he, well, he hasn't written anything for a while. But he's working on a new book. Thanks for the intro, Mother. What are you writing? I'm working on a science fiction novel. Like Stephen King. Ooh. Now Stephen King could afford this jelly. My son, I'm not so sure. <laughs> Let's go. We got a lot of shopping to do. Excuse us. Okay. I will speak to you, Beatrice. Right. It's a nice to see you. Yeah. Oh, a nice to see you too, John. Yeah, it's nice to see you. Nice Have to a nice trip to Mexico. Don't drink the water. No. Beatrice sections off her fridge so that John can have all of his food in one place and so that he doesn't accidentally eat some meat. In a more serious scene, Beatrice is getting a bit tired of getting all of the blame of John's past relationships. John keeps trying to tie his failures to the approval he never believed he received from her, though he conveniently doesn't blame his father. John takes Beatrice out for a nice dinner, which leads to topics about why his brother met a woman and has a happy marriage while John can never find or keep a woman. This is a great scene because both simply misunderstand each other. John puts 
way too much blame on his mom, while Beatrice doesn't realize that she can be overly passive-aggressive with John. Beatrice does have a great line where she said that maybe John's writing started to suffer when he stopped eating meat. (laughs) The interesting part, and it subtly plays out throughout the film, is that Jeff is incredibly needy and needs to call Beatrice every day and tell her about all of his accomplishments, much like a little kid coming home from school and telling what he did. So while on the surface he might seem like he's got it all together with a nice family and a successful career, he's way more screwed up than John is. The next day, John and Beatrice go to the mall, which is as funny an adventure as you can imagine. Beatrice never goes to the mall because it's so far away, but it's really only 10 minutes from her house. Yeah. Oh, honey, put that down. They don't play with that. Do you know how much this dog is? Mother, I'm just petting it. I'm not lending it mice and men. What am I going to do, kill it? But, honey, look, it's over $3,000. You don't want it. Don't want to want. All right. Do what you want. Hello, cutie. Hi, cutie. Oh, yes, honey. Yeah. My son's in town just for a while. That's why we're shopping today. Normally, he doesn't live with me, he's divorced. Actually, it's his second divorce. They just can't seem to stay married anymore. I don't know. I can't believe that you told him I was divorced. And he asked. Oh, I'm sure he did. That's what they do in these stores. Before they can sell you a bird, they need to know your marital status. What difference does it make? What if we were man and wife? Please. Oh, mother. Uh, I gotta run in here for one second. I gotta get a woman something very quickly. What? What? You're, you're gonna get a woman something in here? Yeah. Who? Excuse me? Welcome to Victoria's Secret. May I help you? Yes, I'm buying my mother a pair of crotchless panties. You what? Wonderful. Do you know what size you are, ma'am? What size are you? Uh, um, um, no, um, no, no size. No, he's, he's just joking. He's a writer. It's all made up. We're not getting anything. We're getting out of here. Thank you. She's shy. Sexy, but shy. It's an experiment, you see. I'm part of an experiment. Where were things that were not. <laughs> Beatrice can't help but overshare her life with just every quirk she runs into. Why she does this is anyone's guess. I don't think it's loneliness, but likely just a need to make small talk. I've definitely known people who just simply can't handle silence. Back to Jeff. His world comes crumbling down after Beatrice decides not to go down to Los Angeles to visit his family in order to continue to stay with John. Jeff loses it and ends up having a fight with his wife who finally lets him have it, saying how he needs to figure out his relationship with his mom, probably more than John does. The fact that he can't live without constant contact from Beatrice is not normal or healthy. Beatrice and John go to the zoo, and when they return home, Jeff is parked in the driveway. And we finally get the full picture of Jeff's Oedipus complex. Mom. If you can get away for three days, then the kids, you know, they would love to see you. Mother, you've already made this decision. You don't have to make it again. Now, don't let him intimidate you. Oh, honey, nobody intimidates me. Jeff, dear, I'm going to stay up here for a little while. And as I said, when I'm through, I'll come down and see everybody. Fine. I'll just tell the kids you're not coming. 
Oh, I forgot about the kids. Yeah, look what he's doing. What makes you think the kids want to see you anyway? Don't you think they'd rather be outside playing? You know, I always thought that. I always thought they stayed indoors for me. Is that right, Jeff? I love you, Mother. Don't be silly. Don't listen to him. Yeah, don't be silly. That's right. That's what I liked to do when I was a kid. Stay inside in a darkened room with my grandmother. You know, I don't need this sarcastic shit. You don't want to come? Don't come. It's okay. Fine. Bye-bye. Bye. I feel terrible. He succeeded now. See what he's doing to you? Oh, honey, don't leave like this. Really, it's nothing. Come with me. Come with me. My God, it sounds like you're lovers. We're lovers. You're the one that's living with her. Well, I have some news for you. We are lovers. <gasps> that's a joke? No, it isn't a joke. I didn't want to tell you earlier. I thought it would upset you. No, God. Why are oh, you talking no. like this? Why would you even say something like that? It's disgusting. Boys. Why is it disgusting? Because it is. Don't you read history? It didn't start with me. I love my mother, and I love having sex with her. Oh, my God. You, you ought to examine yourself that you can even make a joke like that. Well, you ought to examine yourself that you take it so seriously. Shut. And by the way, you seem to make so much fun of the picture phones. Why don't you send the one I gave you back, okay? Hey, you know what? It's still in the box. Take it. I don't give a crap. I keep it. I get them for free anyway. I told you. Some gift, huh? The hilarious part about the last scene, which wasn't evident since it's just audio, is that while John is joking around outside, Beatrice's neighbor that they ran into in the grocery store earlier is watering her plants and hearing all of John's comments, simply horrified. Anyway, Jeff's tantrum was part of the breakthrough John was looking for. This so-called well-adjusted kid was actually the one who was really messed up. John's starting to feel better about himself now. Alright, the final 30 minutes of this film are excellent. We discover more about Beatrice's past and current life, which leads to a new perspective for both John and her. I just really can't speak more highly of this fun and charming comedy. Albert Brooks is one of the most underrated filmmakers, and Debbie Reynolds was absolutely perfect in this role. One of her best. All right, some fun facts. The reason Brooks was able to obtain the rights to the song Mrs. Robinson for his own version, which was called Mrs. Henderson, was again due to his friendship with Carrie Fisher, whose ex-husband was Paul Simon. Both Simon and Art Garfunkel always turned down offers to have the song used in commercials and other films, but Simon agreed due to the request from Fisher. Even though Debbie Reynolds plays Albert Brooks' mom, she's really only 15 years older than him. Other actresses considered for the role of Beatrice, Esther Williams, and Katherine Grayson. Alright, as I alluded to earlier, we have special guest, super producer Lindley, who you know and you love, and has great insight about this terrific film that you should definitely check out. And I will be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. I'm ready. Great. Uh, well, I'm back with somebody. It's been way too long since you've last been on. I think the last episode you did was maybe High Fidelity. Oh, really? I have no I recollection so. of anything. That <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or maybe it was Gross Point Blank. It was one of the John Cusack oh, movies. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But anyway, you know her from the beginning. <laughs> it's super producer Lindley. Well, so welcome back. Of, what is a damn good... <laughs> you remember the, the podcast you helped create. I didn't help create. We just suggested it. Well, Damn originally, you movie were, memories. Very good. You were Thank you were you. supposed to be you. the producer for this, right? Uh-huh. And much and much like the main character, the mother in this, you you kind of squash my dreams. 
<laughs> Wait, of producing? What did yeah, I, I thought this was going to be a partnership. <laughs> hey, well, now that I have so much time on my hands, we could, you know. I don't That's know what true. I would do. I need to call and acquire guests for you, right? Exactly. That would be a big Yeah. Help. Oh, I That's could you. do that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well. <laughs> With all my connections. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk afterwards. We See, before this, all the juicy stuff was happening before this because we were talking about how evil Hollywood is, so. Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah. They've missed all. Yeah, we can't go back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we will go back to 1996, and uh, you and I kind of had a little conversation about how underrated uh, Albert Brooks is, yeah. you know, not only as an actor, but obviously as a writer and a director. Did you see this in the theater? No, I definitely saw it. I did see Defending Your Life in the theater, and I think mm. I saw it at um, a discount theater. <laughs> In oh, Capitola. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you, do you, the, it was this really old, old, old um, theater run by the same family, like from the 40s and 50s. Oh, wow. um, so when I was in college, it was still open and they kind of played like maybe the movies were a little bit old or had been out for a while. Do you know what I mean? And it's one of yeah, those they're like second run things. movies. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So um, it did that, and they like the candy was like fifty cents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody was like, "Why don't they actually get with the times and raise their <laughs> prices?" And it was run by these two old, elderly, tiny, tiny women who were um, twins oh. or sisters. I thought they were twins. Now I'm not remembering. I could be wrong. Um, and you could smoke in the theater, like oh, there was wow. a smoking section in the theater. <laughs> and it was when you definitely didn't smoke in mainstream theaters, right? It was very strange. They still yeah. allowed it, yeah, because the law, I don't know, when, when did the laws come in in California? I want to say late 90s, maybe? I have no idea. I mean, this was the mid-90s, so yeah. maybe you could smoke in some theaters, but you couldn't. I mean, I don't think you would, sm- there was no smoking at like the AMC or whatever, you know? Yeah. It but just seems so crazy. I mean, my mom used to tell me stories of when she was a little girl going to the theaters and you just see the this waft of smoke if you're up in the balcony. <laughs> oh, I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Even on an airplane, the first time I was flying mm-hmm. um, internationally, there were people were smoking on the plane. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like at the back of the plane, everybody was smoking. Was really I miss the second run theaters. That used to be great, especially if you're a kid, because you could get, you know, if it was normally five bucks to get in, it'd only be like, you know, two fifty or two bucks. Yeah. Do they have do they have any more? I know there was one in Campbell for Yeah, and there was one. I mean, probably Cupertino. like twenty years ago. Cupertino, that was it. Yeah. And Cupertino. they just shut it down, unfortunately. Oh, they did. Yeah. Well, in general, movie theaters are in trouble. I mean, that's even before the Well now, the I know, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But then they also had that one that showed old movies. It was like one of the domes. Do you remember oh, yeah. that? The Retro that. Dome? Was it called mm-hmm. the Retro Dome or something? Yeah. Yeah. And that shut that down cool. too. I mean, really the only retro thing left in the area is uh Stanford Theater. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Which they do great. do those T T C M T C M ones that we went to. We would saw. Uh, what did we see? Some like it hot. Some Which like it be, hot. Thank you'll you. be on for that one too. <laughs> Didn't we see something else? No, just some <laughs> like it hot. Oh, we saw. Well, it wasn't a retro one. It was um, the Elton John biopic. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, I still love that. I've seen it like four times. I know. And you were like, I didn't like it that much. I love yeah, it. Yeah, just I, you love musicals. And I, I thought it was going to be more oh. of a straight up biopic. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I was happy you liked it. And so. I loved it. Yeah. I, I miss going to movies. much more than with... Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, yeah. Okay. Going back to All right. Mother. Sorry. <laughs> so you didn't see it in theory. You saw it either on cable or as a I'm rental. Sure I saw it as a rental. I don't even think I saw it on cable. I'm sure I rent. we rented it or something. I rented it with somebody. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I have to thank you for kind of reading, because I saw it right when it came out, not in the theater, but when it was released on, on video. And I loved it, but I've kind of forgot about it. Um, yeah. And then you brought it up on one of the podcasts, and I, I revisited it, and I love it even more now. I think this is one that you appreciate as you get older. 
Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even like um, Debbie Reynolds. I mean, I think like, I'm surprised more people didn't discover it as she because this was actually, um, I think I read that this was like her first starring role in like almost 30 years. Right. Um, so I don't think she was that, you know, inf- famous that, you know, like how she's kind of had a re before she passed away, of course, but right. like, she kind of like came back into the spotlight, right? Like she was on Will and Grace. And I think her, you know, like the dynamic between her and Carrie Fisher, Mm-hmm. Like they had a documentary about them. Have you watched that yet? It's on HBO. It's really, I, really good. Yeah, I need to check that out now because I, I do have HBO. It's so now. good. Yeah, it's really, really good. It's very sad. I mean, it yeah. came out, I think, after they both passed away because they passed away within like a day of each other or something, right? Right. Carrie yeah, died. Carrie went then, first. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I don't think she was no, you know, known as like this quirky, funny actress. Like she was just kind of like old school. People didn't really know her modern, you know, her modern self, but, um, yeah, mother really, I think, encapsulates her great presence, persona, you know, whatever you want to call it. Oh, yeah. Her She's humor the and yeah. her, her timing. Like, she is just a great comedic actress. I don't know. I can't, yeah. Oh, yeah. She was, because originally he wanted, Albert Brooks wanted Doris Day, because he wanted right. to get her out he of wanted an old school, yeah, he wanted yeah. an old school actress, right? And and she and Doris Day would have been great too because she was definitely a comedic actress. But I don't I don't I couldn't imagine anyone better than Debbie Reynolds. I can't I mean, imagine anyone better than Debbie Reynolds. Yeah, she really nailed it. And then after you're right, she totally had a resurgence. Did you ever see uh, In and Out with uh, Kevin Kline? Yes, yeah. so she's great in that. She's yeah, so good. So I'm she's glad. Just hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm I'm really glad she kind of had a because then she had just appeared on a bunch of TV shows after that until until her death. Yeah, and really funny in interview. I mean, um, she was on, I think it was on Al- when Alec Baldwin, he may still have it. I don't know if he still does. Alec Baldwin had a mm-hmm. podcast, but he was a good interviewer, or however you feel about Alec Baldwin. <laughs> but um, his podcast was really funny, and he interviewed her. I mean, I swear it was like a two-hour interview, and she is just hilarious, you know, just like very, very funny. Not intentional. You know, she's not, <laughs> I don't even know how intentional it is, just telling she's stories of how funny. she got her start. Yeah, just mm-hmm. her timing and her, yeah, she's just very funny. It was a very just pleasant interview. They're both pretty funny and how they, you know, uh, react off each other. It was good. Yeah, and, and a perfect, like, because Albert Brooks's humor is very smart. Like, it's not, mm-hmm. uh, like, slapstick funny. It's, like, it, it's, it's, it's kind of, kind of, his kind of movies uh, bear repeat viewing, because you're going to probably Definitely. catch Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's almost kind of Woody Allen-ish, though I don't want to say his name, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, speaking <laughs> of uh, Unfortunate Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's kind of in that vein, right? That oh, totally. Like, just, yeah. yeah, very Taught, uh, like a lot of a lot of speaking or a lot, you know, not yeah, not physical comedy. Right. Very cerebral. Yeah. Yeah. Good mm-hmm. writing. Mm-hmm. Um, did you? So, what are the scenes that really stood out for you for this? And, well, of course, uh, yeah. I just love all the food scenes. The food <laughs> scene when she takes the giant block of cheese out of the freezer. Yeah. Is it in the freezer or the fridge? <laughs> Everything's in the freezer. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> but also, them just in the grocery store together, like arguing over getting the generic brand versus whatever the main brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he's like, <laughs> I think she's pulling out the sherbet and he's like, come on, we'll just go to Baskin Robbins. And she <laughs> says, oh, I'm not falling for that <laughs> because they charge so much for their ice cream. Like she right. was by her generic. Um, but that also was very, uh, yeah, like my mom was kind of like my mom grew up very poor, you know, mm-hmm. where they had to like uh, choose between, you know, shampoo or laundry detergent. She right. tells me these stories. And like, so it was very, that really reminded me a lot of my mom in those like very weird way. Like, she wasn't like 
it wasn't like she was super thrifty in other ways, but like when it came to food, like we only had margarine all year, except for on Thanksgiving, we had butter. Right. <laughs> Why? Like we couldn't afford butter the rest of the year. I think we could. She just thought it was like, you know, special to just have it on Thanksgiving. It was right. very weird. Yeah. Well, it's funny because even Albert Brooks kind of references it because she mentions the, the depression. He's like, you were only like a kid when that was the right. depression. Yeah. yeah, but I think it sticks with you. It, yeah. So, you know, I mean, my mom is definitely post-depression, but um, but she could be a similar age to Debbie Reynolds. So, but she was born in 1940. So after the right. depression. Yeah. Well, it's funny because then um, when the, in that shopping scene, she did get her grape nuts. And so that was like her big splurge. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And I grew up with grape nuts. Do we yeah. always had grape nuts? That's totally insane. I wasn't allowed to have sugar cereal, but we had grape nuts. So the other yeah. thing is like, I, I don't know uh, if you can relate to people like this. So Debbie, like she, she unconsciously always would talk about um, her son to every random person possible. Like, have you ever met yes. people like this that just can't help but bring up st- stuff that their uh, children? Yeah, or we just work in general. With yeah, like this. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we work with people like this. I hate yeah, to really. but um, yeah, uh, I won't mention names, but um, uh, yeah, I think that was very much also with my mom too. I think their identity is through their children, right? Mm. But then mm-hmm. also just like the cutting insults, like about his bald spot, like she would mention his bald spot or like you're going bald or like his weight, you know, just kind of like these little, yeah. Now, do you think he put too much blame on her or was it, did it make sense of what he was um, kind of trying to figure out with her? I mean, I think that's always, that's like a trope of that era or men of that era that, Mm -hmm. you know, the mother is the fault of why you can't, yeah, have a relationship or whatever. I think that's just a common, so who knows? Yeah, I do think. Everything's your mom's fault. My, I'm, I will, I've ruined my children already. So okay. <laughs> I've accepted it. <laughs> That'll be a fun interview 20 years from now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about. I'm sure Sabine deliver. would be ready to talk about it, how everything I do wrong already. So Taylor well, is a great. little bit more closed now. But. Oh, <laughs> well, what's great about this movie is actually our Brooks isn't the screwed up one. It's the brother who, who you think I has it all together. One, right? Yeah. And that's a blast from the past. That's like Rob Moore. Mar- what has yeah, he done recently? Yeah, Rob, yeah. Yeah, he was kind of a big hit in the mid-90s on whatever happened to his career. Yeah, oh. he's. I guess he was in a TV series called Billions. Oh, I don't know. I don't uh, know. But yeah, I've never heard that. He's yeah. mostly a TV guy. But he plays that role well, though. No, he's great. And it was like a sports agent? A writer's yes. agent? Yeah, he's, he's like a, a type of sports agent. agent. Yeah. yeah. But he's so hung up on his mom. <laughs> like he I know. Needs to, he like, needs uh, her affirmation, right? All the time. Yeah. yeah. And then Albert's just trying to get at least one, <laughs> like, stay with her, you know, to figure out what is, what's going on. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what else uh, kind of stood out for you? And, and when's the last time you actually went back and watched this? Yeah, I haven't. I probably watched it the last time, again, like the last time we talked about it a few. Did we talk about it a couple years ago? Two yeah. years ago? Three years ago? I don't know what, how we how it came up maybe we were just talking about comedies i don't remember but it yeah it was a while ago and then i we also after that watched defending your life again like i made my kids watch it mm-hmm. um i didn't make them watch mother i didn't think they would at that you know a few years ago, i didn't think they would appreciate the humor <laughs> i think even defending your life was a little a bit of a stretch but yeah um it, so it's been one, a while yeah that's one that totally like everyone i recommend to that they really enjoy it but it's another one where i think you appreciate it more if you're a little bit older yeah, I loved it um, right when I saw it. So I don't know. Yeah. 
Um, I also love movies like that take place in heaven or in the afterlife. <laughs> I don't know if oh, you really? call it heaven. You know, like the I loved that Shirley Temple movie. Do you mm-hmm. know? And I can't remember which one it is, but there's a Shirley Temple movie where she's kind of in the afterlife, I think. Did you or ever like, see uh, Here Comes Mr. Jordan with um, uh, Claude Rains and Robert Montgomery? It was eventually remade as Heaven Can Wait. Oh, I know Heaven Can Wait, but I haven't seen Here Comes Mr. Jordan. Is okay. that better and than Heaven Can Wait? It's just different. I mean, it's, obviously, it, Mr. Jordan came out in the late 30s, early 40s. So it's kind of got that. He's yeah. a boxer. Uh, I forgot what Warren Beatty was. Um, I don't know if he was a football player or Warren something. Warren like Beatty that. was a sports person. Of something was he a yeah. tennis player? Football yeah, or something player? like that. And that was remade again Some... with Chris Rock. So, and he was a comedian. <laughs> so. Oh right, I don't think I've seen the Chris Rock version. I've yeah, definitely seen the bad. Warren Beatty version. Yeah, yeah. So you might. Here comes Mr. Jordan, especially. Okay, like I'll add that to my list of um, things to watch. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we do here. <laughs> I think you brought up this movie when we did a food episode because I think it was the whole that was the sherbet. So yeah, I, that's another thing I, in movies I really like. I don't know food scenes or just like yeah, I don't know. Well, this movie's full yeah. of food scenes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> different generation too. Like they constantly want to feed you. So. Right, exactly. But terrible things, right? She's feeding him terrible food. Oh yeah, yeah, like the the lettuce that's wilted and yeah, <laughs> she puts her salad in the fridge or the freezer, yeah, like everything salad in the freezer. Which is my mother in law does the same thing. She's obsessed with freezing stuff. We're always just like completely perplexed because we they have really good fresh you know pita bread there. It's like very mm-hmm. different than what you can buy here. This is in Israel, um, right? For your audi- for your listening audience, yes, um, they don't know, aren't in the <laughs> inside. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So when we go, we always, you know, my husband always wants to buy like fresh pita bread. So we'll bring, you know, pita home and then she immediately puts it in the freezer and then defrost. Then the pita bread we eat the next day will be like defrosted pita bread that she's already been freezing for several months. Like she'll microwave it. And it's just like, what the hell? Could we just eat the fresh bread? It's like completely nonsensical. Like you need it fresh for a few days, then put it in the freezer. You know? I know. Right? <laughs> no, that is not. That is not how she says. She also complains that we bring food home. It's like very strange. Very like you know, worried about wasting food mentality. Yeah, people are so weird about food. Yeah. And did you grow up with an extra freezer in your garage? Like, did your no. mom have one of those? I yeah, my mom had one of those. We had a giant freezer. Oh, I, I know our I, my neighbors <laughs> did, and that was like a big deal. Like they would constantly have stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah, I was considering getting one, and I was like, "No, no, I can't go. I can't go down that path. That's crazy." <laughs> the pandemic would be the freezer <laughs> memories. Yeah, no, this was even before the pandemic. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> the one person I wish that had a bigger role, even though she, she, it's a great scene, is Lisa Kudrow. When I know. The is it like a blind date or something? Yeah, or did exactly. he date her? Was it a girlfriend or a blind date? It's a blind date that they had. I don't know. I think they just they met somewhere and. Um, they had that really awkward conversation about books and her favorite author. And uh, it was just a bad date for them. Um, yeah. Uh, it was funny. Cause when I rewatched it, I noticed she, I didn't know who, of course I wouldn't have remembered who she was when I saw it, you know, all those years ago. But then mm-hmm. when I rewatched it, I was like, Oh God, Lisa Kudrow. That's crazy. Yeah. And this is probably God. When did friends start? <sighs> it was probably a couple years after Friends, but before, mm-hmm. I think, if this was 96, did Friends yeah. start in the early 90s? Yeah, I want to say it was in 94, 95. wasn't too long after Seinfeld, but, you know, right, 93, right, right, 94. Right. Yeah, so yeah. she should have been pretty popular by then. Yeah, probably just getting, like, starting to get those movie roles. 
Yeah, exactly. So final thoughts, obviously you'd recommend this and uh, Oh, I love yeah. this movie. It's just great. I loved it. And I just really love Debbie Reynolds. Like I think I could watch anything she's in too. Yeah. So we'd yeah. recommend this and definitely recommend um, in and out if you want some later era. Oh stuff. yeah. 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 I'm trying to think of what other movies she has been. I feel like she's done so much recently, um, but what other iconic mother crazy mother roles is she playing? I mean, she's really great in Will and Grace and I don't even like that show that much, but I really loved when she was on it. Mm-hmm. Um, very similar, like uh, very similar to her actual, cause she is, like she, there is that the, that movie right with that Carrie Fisher wrote that stars Meryl Streep. Yeah, Postcards from the Edge. Postcards from the Edge, right, and the book, right, and that's actually her. So like, kind of that that is her. Yeah, totally. <laughs> sorry. So that persona is actually what she is, you know, amplifying in the Will and Grace mother role, like just mm-hmm. very funny performer, you know, singing all the time and just making a big scene, and everything is all about her. So I and just definitely. Think, if you, you go back and, and watch her, if you haven't, the um, her early films. I mean, obviously she was in Singing in the Rain and yeah, and uh, uh, God, what was it? Unsinkable Molly Brown. Those are all real fun things. Yeah, and she really you should listen to if you can look at the Alec Baldwin Debbie Reynolds. It's a great uh-huh. interview because she talks about all those and how she actually got her start. She would just kind of won a beauty contest like mm. as a teenager. And then got immediate, I think almost immediately cast in, I think it's Singing in the Rain. Um, and just how, yeah, terrified, you know, how terrified she was. Then I think he tries to broach upon like the um, sexual harassment of that era. And I don't know that she explicitly talks about it, but she kind of implicitly talks about it. Yeah, yeah it was almost like those the actress of that era kind of just blew it off as like, yeah, that's what you just dealt with. Yeah. Which exactly. is so sad. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and sick, yeah. Yeah, right. And then her but, daughter experienced oh, it as well, oh, right? Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> anyway, I feel like we always turn to this topic. I guess it's just been a part well, of it. Well, unfortunately, I mean, it's, yeah. it's definitely prevalent now and uh, right. it's, uh, definitely worth bringing up. Um, yeah. yeah. But in any case, definitely. Before the Me Too, I think this interview definitely happened well before the Me Too. Uh, oh, yeah. You know. Oh yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff has been out for for years, and they just yeah. Hollywood kept covering it up too because they didn't want to eat their own. It's so weird. I think about they what still they, are. Yeah, exactly. They protect yeah. some and not others. So, yeah. yes. But in any case, Crazy. we love Mother, so <laughs> definitely check love out. Mother. Highly recommend it. One of yes. yeah, it's got to be one of the yeah top movies out there. I At agree. least the top movie. It's got to be the best movie about a mother-son relationship. I can't really think of another one. But I think if, yeah, if we were putting together something about <laughs> Mother's Day movies. This right? Be oh, definitely watch it for Mother's Day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you, Winley. Don't be thank a stranger. Thank you, Brian. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.